Welcome to the Numa Church Podcast. For more information on all things Numa, please contact us on our website, numa.church. Now get ready for another inspirational message. I want to preach a message to you that I've called Kill the Snake. Oh, who's ready to kill the snake? So good, so good. That's going to make much more sense later on. <laughs> Why are you taking a photo of that, Pastor Corey? <laughs> Kill the snake. So good. Come on, let's, before we get into God's word, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and honour you in this house, God. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your anointing here. We, we need it. We need you. We value you, Lord. We honour you, Father God. And I just pray, Lord God, that you'd come and take over this moment. You'd come and take over this service. Father God, I pray, Lord God, that your kingdom would come and your will, Father, it would be done, Father, on this little patch of earth right now as it is in heaven, Father God. We don't come here for the agenda of man. We want the agenda of heaven, Father God. We want to hear what you're saying. We want to see what you're doing. We want to perceive what you're speaking. You said, hear, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And I just pray that everyone's ears would be open tonight, Father God, to indeed hear what the Spirit is saying to them in this moment as we enter a brand new decade, Father God, that we would have, Lord, our eyes fixed on none other than you. And if you believe that, won't you say amen? Amen. Amen. So you're in pretty exciting times as a church, are you not? Numa Church. Congratulations on your new name, your your Numa name. Uh, See what I did there? Boom, boom. Yeah, <laughs> I got that one from Mike. Yeah, Actually, the stage is looking very clean over here, Pastor Mike, you know, from all your snow angel business. <laughs> Breno is a stickler for the rules. He wasn't going to take just snow angel. It had to be making a snow angel. <laughs> so thanks for cleaning the stage. But you've just... <laughs> It's two for one. You get a Christmas game and a clean stage, so it's fantastic. Uh, But you've just had your vision Sunday 2020, uh, so much that is happening in the life of your church as um, it has been released that you will be planting churches and campuses in other cities, in other nations and establishing Numa College. What an incredible season of momentum, hey? What an incredible season of growth and, and expansion. So much that God is wanting to do with you all in this era. And who knows, if this is your home church, you know, if God has planted you here You do realise that's not by accident, don't you? You do realise that God's positioned you here at this time. God's placed you here and everything that's going on in this window and in this season, you're actually a part of it. Because if the church is expanding, that means you're going to have to expand. If there's more for the church and greater influence for the church, and that guess what? That means there's going to be more for you. It's going to be greater influence for you. Where you are in God right now is not your final destination. Where you are, of course it's not. It couldn't possibly be. I'm speaking to a room of so many who are not even 30 yet, under 30. You know, God's just getting started with you. Whether you're younger in this place or even whether you're older, there's so much more for you. God's interested in your life growing. 
He's interested in using your life in significant ways. He's he's interested in using you to fulfill his purposes. When he said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, he was not joking. That was not a cruel joke. He knows the plans he has for you, declares the Lord. How good is that? God's heart for you is increase. God's heart for you is more. How can I be so confident? It's just the nature of who he is. It's just the nature of who he is. Ephesians 3.20, what does it say? That God can do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ask or think, than these little minds could cook up. It's the nature of our God. The Scripture says that all of the promises, as many promises as God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. So unless you've possessed every one of God's promises for your life, give me a wave if that's you. Well, then there's more for you. There's more for you. I didn't think so. I didn't think that person was here. (laughs) You know, what that more looks like is going to be different for every single one of us, right? For some of you, it's going to be like more freedom. For some of you, it's going to be more wholeness. For some of you, it's going to be entering into more clarity and wisdom and peace in your relationships and this sort of thing. But for others, I believe God's calling you to greater influence. He's calling you to a place of greater significance. He's calling you to step up, you know, into a ministry appointment or a leadership appointment, maybe that one ministry, yeah. God's calling you to maybe be bolder in sharing your testimony and sharing on the streets and speaking the gospel and discipling that person, maybe significance in your marketplace. I don't know what more looks like for you. I just know that there is more for you. And whilst this is true, and so many of us would say, yeah, amen to that. You know, what I've viewed sometimes in my own life and and in the lives of people that I meet and speak to, and sometimes we're just not entering into what God actually has for us. Sometimes we're just not possessing the place of our possession. You know what I'm saying? Often between us and the purposes of God, there's some sort of obstacle in our way. You might agree in principle that there's more for you. You might agree In principle, that there's a place for you to possess, but actually not possess it because there's obstacles. You're facing obstacles, something that's standing in the way of you and the purposes of God. When I was about 20, I was a uni student and I was actually looking for a job. I had been working at McDonald's. Do I have any people here that work at McDonald's currently? But you did. Front counter or kitchen? Oh, you were everywhere. I was a crew trainer. (laughs) Were you ever a crew trainer? Do they still have crew trainers? Oh, McDonald's. They were the days. (laughs) They were the days. They were the days. But I was sick of coming home smelling like a burger, right? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So I looked for a new job. And I'd landed myself... A job interview for a jewellery store, I felt like that was a much more refined position. I was really excited about it. I really wanted the job. And I had an interview on this weekday morning and I was home alone getting ready. My parents were actually out of town. I'm home alone. Now, in order to understand this story fully, you've got to understand the then layout of my house like a lot of suburban houses, I guess, that had like a long corridor. One end of the corridor is a a bathroom, a toilet, and a laundry, yeah? You're following me? 
other end of the corridor, we've got my bedroom, a spare bedroom, and like the exit to all the other parts of the house, the living rooms, that sort of thing. And so I'm home alone and getting ready for my job interview, and I'd had a shower. I don't want this to be awkward. I know that we've just met, but I was, I don't know how to say it any other way. We, I was wearing what you'd normally wear in the shower. And uh, <clears throat> yes, just let's leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. And because and I'm home alone, I do the quick dash in my towel down the corridor. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you've never done that. But anyhow, <laughs> on this particular morning, I'm stopped dead in my tracks by a very unwelcome visitor. There's a snake in the corridor. There, I know, I know. And there I am in my towel. I, I reckon this would be scary no matter what you were wearing. And uh, <laughs> it's amazing how your vulnerability levels go up. Anyhow, immediately I, <laughs> I retreated Back down the corridor, slowly, slowly, my adrenaline is pulsing, my heart is racing, my palms are sweating, and um, it's just still, but I, I'm pretty sure it's alive, I can see movement, and, and I go into the laundry to try and find an implement, a, a something, something that I can use against this snake, and in my adrenaline-charged state, I grabbed a bucket, in hindsight, it wasn't the smartest thing to grab, but it seemed like a good idea at the time. And my thought was, I'll trap the snake under the bucket. The snake was longer than the, you know, circumference of the bucket, whatever diameter of the bucket. Anyhow, so I throw this bucket at the snake, and I must have done it with such force that the rim of the bucket cut the snake clean in half. <laughs> <laughs> you think the story's over. It's not over. The, the half I trapped was the tail half. The head half, which is the bit that matters, um, it slithered furiously into my bedroom. I, I, know, I now understand the, the saying, mad as a cut snake. That is a definite thing. That is a thing. And, and this was... <laughs> and so now I had access to the other parts of the house at least. So I went into the kitchen area, I grabbed a chair, I grabbed a big knife and I came, I put the chair on my bedroom floor, I stood on it and I started flicking pieces of clothing off my messy bedroom floor until I found it under my bed in my year 12 art folio. I chopped it to pieces. I yes, I did. <laughs> I killed the snake. <laughs> Sorry if you're a wildlife warrior. <laughs> it was 20 years ago. Things were different back then. Anyhow, um, the reason I tell you that story, there is a purpose. Uh, there was more for me in store that day than being stuck in a corridor, right? There's more for me in store that day than being, you know, just hiding out in some laundry. I had something to possess. I had the territory of a new job to take. And yet there was this snake in my path. There's this obstacle that stood between me and the place of my possession. And I think it has very interesting parallels to our life in Christ because in my observation, there's always a snake in the path. There's always an obstacle or an enemy. There's always something that 
that's standing itself up between the people of God and the place of their possession. The snake in your path could be so many things. It could be some external thing, a hardship, a challenge, a difficulty in relationships, a closed door, a missed opportunity. It could be some sort of internal thing like you're wrestling with fear and doubt, depression, anxiety and all these sorts of things. And although the snake in your path might be different to the snake in mine, they all have the same result that God's people get stuck that God's people just get stopped and stuck in their tracks, that they find themselves not going where they're supposed to be going and not doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. And unless the people of God learn how to kill the snake and overcome the obstacle, I'm going to put it to you that we'll never actually possess the purposes of God and the place of our possession. And we could spend a lot of time surmising what kind of obstacles we all face and and how we would overcome them. But there's one obstacle that I particularly want to focus on together tonight. There's, There's one snake that in some way or another I feel has affected us all. To some degree or another, we're all familiar with this snake and it's the obstacle of our thoughts about ourselves. Our thoughts about ourselves. See, God's people often get stuck because of some negative mindset about themselves. Sometimes the biggest obstacle that stands between us and the purpose God has for us, it's actually just us. Sometimes the biggest battles of life are not so much the battles that rage out there, they're the battles that rage in here. They're the battles that rage in between our ears. Your own mindsets can be like the snake in your path that stops you from progressing in God and keeps you stuck in a metaphorical laundry of life. Snake thoughts. Snake thoughts are going to tell you things like, you're not enough. You're not good enough. You're not talented enough. You're not educated enough. You're not up to the task. You're not going to cut it. You're not going to make it. Snake thoughts will tell you that everyone else is better than you. You know, that you're not quite qualified because of that family dysfunction or you're not qualified because you've got a shady past or or you're not qualified because you're just a first-generation Christian and you don't have enough of a spiritual legacy or all these sorts of things. You know, snake thoughts will keep you so focused on your flaws and so focused on your limitations and so focused on your failures so much so that you struggle to even believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You struggle to even believe that God could use your life in a way that was significant. So instead of stepping up and stepping into purpose, people of God shrink back. Instead of speaking out, people of God stay silent. Instead of rising up in faith, the people of God are, are, are retreating back in fear. Instead of believing for more, there's this sense of, you know, just pipe down, just, just settle down, just settle yourself down so that in that place, We're not using the gifts that God gave us to use. We're not reaching the people that God gave us to reach. Am I talking to a church tonight? Who knows? It's very hard to live a forwards life with a backwards mind. 
It's very hard to move into the purposes of God when you're still thinking snake thoughts. I think of Moses, great character in the Bible. If you were here in the morning services, my husband preached about Moses. And we know that Moses was the man that God eventually used to deliver all of Israel out of Egyptian slavery. And he's a biblical hero. But when Moses was first called by God, he had some serious snake thoughts. He had some real issues with his mindset about himself. And those things were so limiting and so restricting that Moses actually had to, sorry, that God actually had to give Moses a buddy. He gave Moses Aaron, almost like a wingman, almost like a concession. And that was the only way God could actually get Moses to do what God had called Moses to do. Is there anyone out here that won't go anywhere unless your best friend comes with you? <laughs> you, you know, you just take your BFF everywhere. Well, you're a bit like Moses because Moses and Aaron rode together. When God called Moses, he spoke through an incredible divine encounter. He spoke through this burning bush and he announced that he was going to deliver all of Israel by Moses' hand. And God called Moses. He said, Moses, I want you to go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. I want you to tell him to let my people go. But Moses' snake talk started talking. And, and he just actually argued with God. And he's like, who am I to do something like that? And he's having this conversation with God. And God says, well, I will be with you. But Moses says, well, what am I even going to say to him? And, and God says, well, tell him that I sent you. But Moses said, but they won't believe me. They probably won't believe me. But God says, what if I give you some signs? What if I cause your staff to turn into a snake and your hand to, to pull all these funky signs and the, the water that got poured out onto the ground and became like blood? But Moses was like, well, thanks for the signs. But I still don't know how to speak. You know, I stutter and my tongue gets tied. And God was like starting to get angry in his look. Like, just go already. I will speak through you. I will tell you what to say. But the conversation ends up with Moses actually goes, please, God, just send someone else. Just send someone else. And see, Moses' snake thoughts, they had him so stuck. They had him so stopped and he struggled to get past the obstacle of himself to embrace the purposes of God. We know that eventually Moses came around. We know that eventually he did what God asked him to do, but the struggle is real. And for you and I, the struggle can also be real. And if we're going to step into the greater purposes that God has for our life, we have to learn how to kill the snake. We have to learn how to overcome those negative mindsets that we have about ourselves. Here's the good news, that God has actually given us everything we need to kill the snake. The Bible tells us that his word is a weapon. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. 
Hebrews chapter 4 tells us a similar thing, that God's word is alive and it's active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. It has the power to destroy every destructive mindset and cast down every godless thought. The word is the weapon. And although we can say amen to that, we're the ones responsible for wielding it. We're the ones responsible for actually picking it up. That's why it's so important for every Christian to be reading their Bible, for every Christian to be daily in his word, daily having that one devotion, you know what I mean? You know, how do we expect to fight with the word of God if we don't know the word of God? We can't do it. Romans 12 teaches us about the principle of renewing our minds. I think we've got it up on the scripture. It's Romans 12 and verse 2. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed or be made a completely new creature by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. If you want to memorize a scripture, it's a good one to memorize. Romans 12.2 is such an important one for us to understand if we're going to kill off the snake thoughts and step into purpose. It tells us that there's a transformation that comes with the renewing of our mind. According to the Word of God, transformation isn't going to happen if you get a new job or you get a new boyfriend or you get a new girlfriend or you get an extreme makeover or something like that. Transformation, according to God's Word, happens when we renew our minds. That word renew means a complete change for the better. When there's a complete change for the better in our thinking, as our thinking is renewed to the mind of God, to the Word of God, to the heart of God, our lives are going to transform as a result of that thinking. When you look within yourself, when you identify the toxic mindsets, when the dialogue in your head is talking all crazy things, like you're not this and you can't that and you'll never that and you'll do no good and all these sort of things, don't even take it. Don't even stand for it one bit. Why don't you just renew your mind by declaring the truth of God's word? Why don't you change your thoughts for the better? Speak life over yourself. Or if you're too weak to speak life over your own self, find somebody that will. Just start to declare, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. For God so loved me that he gave his son for me. Nothing can separate me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Speak the word in your bedroom. Speak the word in your car. Shout it at the traffic lights. It doesn't matter if you look like a weirdo because you'll find that the atmosphere of your life will begin to change. The atmosphere of your spirit will begin to change. You find yourself transforming as you renew your mind. Romans 12, it shows us that there's actually an order. It says, first... Be, re- be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then 
you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. There's an order. First, transform by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. It's very hard to know the will of God if you don't first have the mind of God. See, Moses' burning bush moment, he struggled to see the will of God because he didn't have the mind of God. He didn't have the mind of God. Before your mind is renewed, you can't see God's purposes. Before your mind is renewed, you can't see God's will lying in front of you. In that place, you can only see the mindset of self. And in that place, you're limited. And it's like the shades are drawn. And it's like the lights are a little bit dim on the purposes of God. But once your mind is renewed to his word, that's when the penny drops. That's when the light comes on. That's your aha moment. Now I can see where God's calling me. Now I can see his purpose before me. Now I can see there's a place for me to possess in Jesus' name. I remember when I first came on staff at at Nations Church quite some years ago now, I stepped into a significant leadership role, but I was struggling with some snake thoughts in my head. There was aspects of my mindset about myself that were just a little bit negative, just a little bit toxic. And sometimes it's not really in an overt way. Sometimes it's in a subvert way, you know what I mean? Sometimes it comes like a bolt out of the blue, but sometimes it's just a little bit sneaky, not so much conscious, but subconscious. Sometimes I think if the enemy would come to us with a real conscious thought, we'd know what it was. But he disguises himself. He wraps himself around with just something a little bit sneaky or just a little bit something. But it has the same result that it gets you to retreat and stop and step back. And the narrative in my head at that time didn't read like the Word of God. It didn't read the same. And I would think to myself, I'm just here by accident. I'm just here in this role by default because I'm married to the leader. I'm not really a leader myself. I'm just married to the leader and I got the job because I didn't have anyone better. You know, I just, you know, I'm filling a role for now, but I'm not overly cut cut out for leadership and I'm just along for the ride. And these are the sorts of things that I would sometimes confess and declare and just think in the back of my mind, but those snake thoughts actually had me stuck. I wasn't stepping out in the places where the Lord needed me to step out. I wasn't identifying people, seeing people, releasing people. I wasn't taking up those opportunities and speaking and declaring the word of God. And those thoughts were actually producing in me an apathy. They were producing in me a complacency. And one day in worship, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit and he said, hey, you know that thing you think. You know that thing you think, I'm not really cut out for leadership. I'm just along for the ride. That's an enemy. That's an enemy. That thought did not come from me. And as the Holy Spirit began to reveal these things for me, I had to renew my mind. I had to come into a place now where I would not no longer agree with the thoughts that the Holy Spirit had revealed to me. Now I had to place my agreement into the Word and the promises of God. And I started to reread the prophetic Word over my life that spoke about leadership. It spoke about 
about authority. It spoke about preaching and teaching. And I filled my life with scripture that talked about being a diligent leader and leading God's people. And I declared things like, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. You would bear fruit that would remain. What am I doing? I'm killing the snake. What am I doing? I'm destroying its power in my life. And as I renewed my mind to the word of the Lord, I found that the negative atmosphere around my life, it broke so much so that I was actually able to go to another level. I was actually able to step into a new space and and walk in greater purpose. And even some of the breakthrough that I had back then has fueled me for the things that I'm living in and walking in today. We've got to kill the snake. Over the years of just pastoring people and, and speaking to so many people, I've seen a common snake thought in so many people. I've, I've seen a similar sort of toxic mindset whereby the dialogue in people's heads just revolves around the realm of ordinary. It's just not, it's not that they think they're horrible. It's not that they think they're a failure. It's just that they think they're ordinary. I'm not that great. I don't think I could do anything really significant for God. I don't think I could do anything that was massively significant for God. Maybe something small, yeah, but nothing overly special because I in myself am not that special. I don't feel. Can I tell you, that sort of thinking is snake thinking. That sort of thinking, it's not what the Lord has been wanting you to be thinking. Can I ask you if you're in that place? Can I ask you if you've felt that way at any time? Who told you that? Who told you that? Where did you find that in God's Word? Where did you find that in the Bible? Who are we to tell God what God can or can't do with us? You know, does the clay say to the potter how you should make me or how you should shape me? And I want want to encourage you in the room tonight if you've had a mindset like that or if when you think about it you're like oh that kind of is me you need to know that ordinary people are God's favorite type of people ordinary people are God's favorite God's in the business of using ordinary people in fact that's all God ever really uses is ordinary people because there actually are no other type of people just ordinary people you know like we might be you know traveling here from Perth and speaking to you but Ken and I we are just ordinary people you know as much as we love and honor Pastor Corey and Simone and and we do and we admire them but they also are just ordinary people you know the people that you would podcast or watch on YouTube your favorite Christian celebrity you know church celebrity (laughs) you know Pastor Fertig Pastor Prince have you not heard that before you know Whoever you like, whoever you admire, whoever you watch, they're just ordinary people. There are no type of extraordinary people. There's just ordinary people who take a hold of an extraordinary guy. That's all the type of people that there are, ordinary people that take a hold of an extraordinary God. In the Bible, 
God uses all sorts of ordinary people, people with issues, people with hang-ups. David was forgotten by his father. You know, Joseph was cocky. Jacob was sneaky. You know, Gideon was from a poor family. Peter had a character flaw. Paul had a dodgy past. The list goes on and on and on. And if you're feeling ordinary, then you're in really good company. You're, feeling, you're in really good company. Because all these heroes of faith are just ordinary people who put their faith in an extraordinary God. It's not that they were great. It's that the God inside of them is great. When it comes to dealing with these negative mindsets about ourselves, it's not so much that we would suddenly find a great confidence in ourselves. It's more that we would begin to find a great confidence in him. It's not, it's not so much that in ourselves we would be amazing, but that we would be full of our God who is amazing. Can I say yourself will always be limited. Yourself will always have limitations and challenges, but there's an invitation that stands open to each and every single person under the sound of my voice and that is an invitation to access all of God an open door to access all of who he is and be full of all of who he is we have as much access to God as anyone has access to God we are as full of his holy spirit as anyone is full of his holy spirit the same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you you can do something extraordinary because you're filled with an extraordinary God. Let's get over these negative mindsets that we have about ourselves and realize that we serve a God with no limitation. We serve a limitless God and realize he wants to use you. There's a world around us that desperately needs us to be full of him. There's a world around us that needs the Jesus in us. And we, the people of God, need to be able to get over the obstacle of self. We need to get past, you know, the obstacle of what we think about ourselves and step up and speak up and rise up in faith that we could take Jesus to the world around us because Christians who are hanging out in a laundry, Christians who are shrunk back and, and, and stepped back will never change their world for Jesus. Singers and musos, you can come and back and join me. All over this place, let's kill the snake. Let's destroy the obstacle and step into the purposes that God has for each and every one of us. There's more for you. God can use your life in extraordinary ways. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, 
and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you're ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.